Good evening, and welcome back to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. How we feeling, Rob? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. You know, tough loss over the weekend, but I don't know about you, but I I had a heck of a lot of fun on Saturday. Yeah. Did not love the way it ended, but save about, you know, one third down play that went for a touchdown. That that was pretty damn near a perfect day for me. Um, Yeah, it really felt like, you know, at the ending, just gone a little bit different. So thank you to everybody involved with JMU Sports and the administration, everybody who helped put together a fantastic Saturday. The entire school showed out, showed up for game day for the game itself. Um, It was just, it was, it was great. Results sucked, but everything else about it was damn near perfect. Yeah. I mean, on a micro level, I was really glad to share it with you, Rob. Yeah, no, it was great. We hadn't sat together for a game in in a while. Yeah. Yeah. We we were both at the game last week, but we weren't together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like you and I have, and I got to say, Rob, it was funny. I mean, I was really feeling, you know, that last few minutes of regulation, the, the you know the three plays in particular you know the all the Surratt plays and and then going overtime I was thinking like we're gonna do it like you and I haven't been together like we've been together you and I have been next to each other for a lot of wonderful moments that were on unex- you know crazy endings kind of thing in there and I thought well we're gonna do it again <laughs> like well, Todd, you know me, Mr. Nervous. And I turned to you in there and I was like, you know, they're going to need to go for two in this in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I was like, it's going to come down to a two-point conversion. I, I was hoping it would be to go ahead enough. Right. But like we both. Oh, we were already talking about the Trey Sharp play against Weber. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> what are they going to do when we score? When we go down the field and score, yep. you know, what, what are, what are you going to call? Run or pass? Like for the two of us to be saying that, you know, when they're still like on the 40-yard line. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yep. uh, I don't yep. know if it's cocky or wishful thinking, but it, it worked. Oh, wow. And, um, there's so much to cover. There is so much to cover in this podcast. Not all of it is even app state JMU related. Um, but I do have to take a step back before that last play of the game, Rob, um, you know, just the 15 minutes or so from the fourth and 18 to the last play of the game. That's a hell of a memory. And yeah. and you and I have been together for for Weber. We've been together for App State 08. We've been together for some Villanova really fun nights. Right? Game, the Rodney Landers. Yeah, yeah. And, the end. Yeah, yeah the t- some tough ones, some good ones. I mean, I've been in there for some really fun ones with Dreek, you know, South Dakota State, Soft Houston, like some crazy blowouts in there. And one thing I'm confident of, Rob, is I have never dreamed I would see the stadium the way it was for that little 15-minute period between the 4th and 18 and the end of the game. That was insane. And that is a dream for what is possible like going forward. You know, that jumping up and down, even when even on the like sort of I don't know what to call them, like the jock jams I don't like usually. But wow, was that awesome. Well, even you know? like during the extended TV timeouts, it was yeah. fun because oh. they were playing music and the students were going crazy. And I mean, mm-hmm. even us old people were jumping around. So it was, oh. it was, it was bananas. It, and... it was fun looking around that crowd. That's the thing I will take away from the game. It won't be the loss. It honestly nope. won't be even, you know, Surratt made some terrific plays and that's putting it mildly. I'll remember <laughs> that crowd. 
And yep. I know people might feel differently and everybody always wonders like, oh, that, that could have been the one opportunity Jamie's ever going to get to go undefeated. And nope. uh, maybe, I don't know. I, I don't think of that as a lost opportunity. Maybe this is wishful thinking, but I think this is going to be one of those games in the history of the program that we look back as a turning point or, you know, a, a great leap forward. We talked This is about, why we love sports. Yeah. I mean, and we've been talking 04, about it for, yeah. In 04, there were moments, you know, the Cortez Thompson. Yeah. It yeah. seems like it was kind of an accelerant. And then you had um, the Furman game, the, the Furman game. And to me, that was a big one for the fan base. That was the first like yep. big time watch party game. Yes, it was. I went it was to. where like we collectively, we went to Roadside Grill and Roadside like, Grill. off and the it was bar. Standing right? room we were singing only. the and, fight song, you know, yeah. like. And yeah. I think earlier that year, we had gone to. Coyote Ugly for a watch party. Yes, with the William and Mary game. The William, yeah. With William and Mary. It was joint yes. and it still was only like 15 people there. But just like it had grown that. And that first, roadside game was like, holy crap, there are 200 people in this bar. Yes. Like, they are not turning this off. You yeah. Know? And remember the week before was Lehigh and the watch party was us coming in with the satellite coordinates to give to the bar. <laughs> Summers. Yes, yes. You know, it's summer. So like it just, and then obviously William and Mary was crazy. Yeah. And, was and like, then Chattanooga. So Yep, yeah, so you've got moments. that. You've got. I remember um, thinking in sixteen. I mean, the Fargo Dome game, too, yeah. right? Like I was living in Greensboro, and you know, was with along with Adrian Carpenter and some other Greensboro Dukes was a big part of like putting together a watch party for that, and that was insane. And to the point where like this is a college bar that Friday nights usually turns into a college bar, and that game yeah. kicked off at seven and was not over at ten. And they just held, they had the doorman like hold people because they were like, these people get to do whatever they want. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. So you got that. And then like, yep. obviously you talk about like the game against Sam Houston State in the the early one in the playoffs from Blue Mountain. Like there's kind of these big games and you're like, okay, this is next level. To me, walking out of that game, as disappointed as I was, one, I was in line to get out of the stadium because every single person stayed till the very end. Yep. And it was well, This like, was a massive one, building like, block. I think we're going to look back as like, this yep. was the first time we saw what a JMU crowd can truly be. Yeah. And if and, you're a student and, in that crowd this weekend, like you're staying, you're, you're coming back. For you're those. coming back and yeah. you're staying like, you want that feeling of that two point conversion. Like you can't beat that. And I know there are some people who the end will hurt too much. And maybe we're getting older, Rob, because Susie and I walked out and I said, this didn't hurt as much as Montana. You know, in 08. And it didn't hurt as much as either of the NDSU Frisco losses, particularly the first one. Um, and part of that is because of the stakes, I guess. Right? Like, just kind of thinking, like, we don't know what the situation is here and what are we playing for. And you and I both said after the game, like, this would have hurt way more next year. Yeah. Right? Like, if we beat North Carolina and get to 10-0 to next year and lose to App when the playoffs are on the line, like, that's a whole, you know... I don't know. This to, to me, like, I'm like you, I, I think 25 years from now, this, what I'm going to remember is the crowd jumping up and down. And this was a game that it was, it was exactly like app 08, except for the result, which when we walked out of the app 08 game, which is the whole reason this podcast exists, that our website exists, that old guys leave started, right. Yeah. Is that night when we walked out of that night, the reason we went to Forest Hills as dumb old alumni or young alumni at the time, was because we started to think like what was possible for the program. Like what, how much bigger could this be? You know, the new stadium was on the way. 
could we ever move up to FBS? You know, <laughs> like, and yeah, Saturday felt like that same level of like, wow, what is really possible? You well, know, it's also, it's, it, if you look at where we are on the FBS level in year two, unreal 10 and one, mm-hmm. but to get there that quickly to have that sort of crowd on a weekend when the students were, you know, in theory already home, it's just, it's the difference between like when we were in the FCS, JMU had home field advantage because we had a real stadium and a lot of our opponents did not, or, you know, they were used to playing in front of 3000. So even if you just put in 20,000 people sitting on their hands, yep. that was a significant advantage. It was a little bit intimidating for teams. Saturday night, that was a home field advantage. That was an electric atmosphere. We've had really engaged crowds before Mm -hmm. in the playoffs in the FCS, but it's 8,000 people. It's 9,000 people. 9,000 people that want to be there, that are loud, that are diehard, and God bless everybody that made those trips. Yep. But it's different than having a sellout crowd, everybody dialed in, everybody on their feet. I mean, James looked at me at one point, and he's like, do students sit down the entire game? And I was like, I don't think they do. I think it's just the biggest party. Also, hats off to them in terms of the being able to be on the quad and then (laughs) go that late. That is a level of maturity that I'm not sure. I'm not sure you and I would have been there at the end of the game as a college student. I had to get my foot x-rayed this morning, Rob. From stomping? (laughs) Just the level of amount. Like, it's been hurting for a couple of months. It's okay, I think. Yeah. Thankfully. But it's been hurting for a couple of months. And the amount of time I spent on my feet on Saturday – Susie and I had to go to our friend's 50th birthday party after mm-hmm. the game. Um, so my night did not end. Off, I did not get off my feet until midnight or so. <laughs> like, But it it totally put me out of commission yesterday. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And I was like, wow, those students, like, that is a different world. So, yeah. It's also a different world. But, like, it was cool because I was – you were on the quad for a bit for game day. I was there. There were definitely people that were there for the party. And that's great. Yeah. I mean, game yeah, day is a party. There were also 10,000 students who were there for the game and they had a good time. They had a few pops during the day, but they were not bowing out early. They were not overdoing it. They were there to have a good time, to party all day, but then to be there loud and engaged the entire time. It was totally different than the Richmond. I remember the Richmond, the first game day, even as an alum, I was pretty, it was, it I, was I mean, sloppy. I was pretty worn out by the second yeah. half of the game. Like, yeah, people were was, losing steam. You got that right. late. And certainly like, once VAD got hurt, you know, I think a lot of like less engaged fans, shall we say, sort of threw in the towel, you know? Um, but it didn't have that. Yeah. No, it's like you were saying. The people that were there were there for the game. There was nothing to move on to. They weren't missing a block party. They weren't missing bars. The mm-hmm. game was the event. Have we ever had a situation where we say the game's the event, but like, Literally, there were 25,000 people who that was it. They were there for the game. They were there to watch football. Yeah. I mean, the 15,000 or like yeah. something to do in the afternoons. So I, I don't know. It just, it blew my mind. And I think that's why there was less sting with this loss is because I just, I see the potential. I, I see where the bar is and I hope we can raise it even higher, but it has been erased. In terms yeah. I mean, of honestly, Youngstown's football. probably the closest parallel, really. Yeah. You know, in Frisco is probably the closest thing because they're like, if you flew all the way there, like that's what you're there for, you know? Um, and that's no, no knock on the NDSU, the next two trips to Frisco. But like that first one was, was really special, you know, for a lot of people. So yeah. Um, I, I think that's a good way to discuss the best parts of Saturday. Um, 
Why don't we go the other way, Rob? Why don't we come back to football in a second? We got to talk about some other positive JMU news first. Because let's just have fun with it. The JMU men's soccer team is in the Sweet 16. Yeah. Um, and they're not just in the Sweet 16. So first of all, I, I'm now I'm losing track of who they beat. <laughs> in the first round, they beat... Oh, gosh. No, oh, like, it, regardless, they upset Georgetown yesterday afternoon um, on Sunday. Georgetown, number four ranked in the country. Traditional power. Huge surprise. Hadn't lost at home in the tournament in like for, maybe forever. Um, hadn't even lost at home in a long time. Uh, had beaten JMU 2-0 earlier in the season there. And JMU didn't like, this wasn't a fluke. Like they scored on a penalty in the first half. That was 100% a penalty, like no complaint from the Georgetown kid, like full trip, you know, like there wasn't, there was no yelling at the ref or anything. Um, also hysterical to me, Rob, that uh, Matarazzi scored the penalty on one of our defenders whose, whose father, I, I didn't even know this till like last week because it shows you what I don't know, right? but his dad is Matarazzi that got headbutted by Zidane. Yeah. Like, yeah, um, which was funny because they were also the talking about, final. yeah, yeah, and they were talking about um, the other kid, the, the Georgetown's goalkeeper last year. I don't know. Vandersar's kid was the goalkeeper for one of their opponents in the first two rounds last year, not this year. Um, that was an enormous win for JMU. Um, it also moves them, it essentially slots them in, as we know, in 64 team March Madness tournaments, um, it slots them into the number four seed. Um, later in the night on Saturday, Loyola Marymount upset UCLA. Not that JMU would have been scared of UCLA because they beat them earlier this season. Um, but that means JMU is going to LA, not to play UCLA, but to play unseated Loyola Marymount in LA. I am thrilled. There is a huge contingent of SoCal Dukes that are very involved. Um, Rob, this is one of our like better alumni, chap- like most underrated alumni chapters. And... I just have a feeling on the Saturday night at 7 p.m. of Thanksgiving weekend. Um, not to say that there's going to be like 2,000 people out there, but if there's 1,000 people at the game, 500 of them might be JMU people like on Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, so they play unseated Loyola Marymount in the Sweet 16. If they win, they go to West Virginia, who they already drew with 2-2 at West Virginia earlier this year. Like this is a legit... I mean, obviously, West Virginia is a conference opponent. Also, West Virginia, for those that don't know, plays in the Sun Belt for soccer. Um, and then the Final Four is in Louisville. Like, <laughs> not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but th- like, you should. St- everyone should stay up and watch this game on Saturday night. Like, if you don't have anything else going on, uh, this is really exciting. And like, soccer's weird. We we know this in college soccer, right? It like the seating matters a lot less than a lot of other tournaments. Because most games are two to one or one to nothing. So I just, and Jamie's on a hot street. I mean, Rodrigo Robles is scoring like every game, it feels like. Um, yeah, I just, I'm just really excited for them, Rob, um, and feel like they have a real legitimate chance at going to the Final Four. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I mean, anytime you make it to the Sweet 16, you, you've got a shot. Um, you got a shot. Really the way they're playing, they're, they're yeah, not, the they're not to- sneaking in here. Beating no, Georgetown I mean, on the road is a big deal. When you see, there are three Sunbelt. JMU, Marshall, and West Virginia are all in the Sweet 16. So there's three Sunbelt teams in the Sweet 16. Like, nobody coming out of the Sunbelt is a... They're legit. Um, and I'm glad it's JMU. That's that's one of those three. 
So just huge, huge congrats to them and good luck this weekend. And just can't encourage everyone enough to enjoy that uh, this Saturday night if you're staying up and and you want to watch it. Um, that'd be awesome. Volleyball played really well in the Sunbelt tournament, pulled out an incredible five-setter in the semis over Texas State, which was just an enormous win. Uh, big comeback to win it. Huge night from Sophie Davis. They kind of ran out of gas in the final, Rob. They lost 3-1 to Coastal, who has kind of been their, I don't know, they're just, they can't get over the hump with Coastal this year. That's been the team that's been their thorn in their side. Um, you know, fair play to them. They won. Uh, but JMU, the Coastal was kind of the surprise. They were the four seed with like a RPI in the 60s. JMU, the next, like, there's a very good chance. Sun, uh, Selection Sunday for volleyball is not till this coming Sunday. Um, but it seemed like at least the Sunbelt announcers who are uh, ostensibly neutral uh, really thought that JMU, um, by virtue of beating Texas State, who would be the, you know, the next highest RPI team. Basically, there's a very good chance that JMU gets an at-large bid to the tournament come Sunday. Uh, they finished the season with an RPI in the low 20s, and it is also a 64-team tournament. So big congrats to them. I know it's a disappointment to not win it at the end. Uh, Sophie Davis and Jaden Clemmer both made the all-tournament all team, yet Veldman played great in the finals. JMU's been kind of getting healthy a little bit uh, as the season gone along. Reed is back. There's some good players. They... Again, a team that can make noise in the real tournament if they get in. So congrats to them. And Rob, Jamie men's basketball is ranked 22nd in the country. Yeah. What the hell is going on? And uh, I think UVA got their ass kicked tonight. And they were tw- they had climbed back into the poll at 24. <laughs> so I don't even – I mean, this is magnificent. And football stayed ranked, um, which I kind of called Saturday night. I was proud of myself for that. But, uh, yeah, men's basketball wins again. Uh, that was it. We've forgotten what Friday night was like. They stole one basically Friday night on a night they did not play particularly well. Um, but that crowd on Friday night, Rob, was awesome. Yeah, watch. eight thousand people. I mean, you could see that AUBC, and that's the thing with these students. Like, forget the result on Saturday, but all those students who stuck around and went to both games, like they're going back to these games. You know. That was awesome. And Reese Davis and Stanford Steve sitting courtside wearing breaking t-shirts. Like, yeah, that was pretty, was pretty cool. Pretty cool. And and uh, women have, have gotten back on track, playing well. Um, yeah, men's basketball plays, by the time almost everyone listens to this, it will be tonight. They play at 6 p.m. versus Southern Illinois in Cancun. Both men and women are in Cancun this week for Thanksgiving tournaments. Uh, they play Southern Illinois. They should. I mean, they should. They should be favored. It doesn't mean they're going to win. Uh, and then they're going to play at either 6 or 8.30. If they win, I think they play at 8.30 on Wednesday night, night before Thanksgiving, and they'll play either Fresno State or New Mexico, both of whom are like kind of traditionally pretty decent teams um, out of the Mountain West. So, you know, not certainly not RPI killers or net killers for JMU. Um, and the women start play, I think they play like Wednesday, Thursday down there or something. Um, but what, a, I mean, man, we get to watch two games this week on Thanksgiving week from our ranked Dukes. And like, they're not going to go down. If they keep winning, they're not going to go down. I mean, one thing we know about the basketball poll is like, if you're undefeated and you get in the poll, you don't like, 
nobody passes you basically. Um, there's obviously a lot of volatility and they could lose at any point, but they're just, they're deep. They played great. Th- I mean, that game the other night, I thought they got really good performance. Your guy, Xavier Brown is doing awesome, Rob. He's great, man. He's just, yeah. he's so calm. He's, he's got mm-hmm. a certain presence about him where the moment isn't too big. He's a very smart player for somebody who's still pretty young. I mean, he's only a sophomore, right? Yep. Yeah. He, just, and- he plays with maturity beyond, beyond typical sophomore. I was oddly confident down the stretch there, which is a weird feeling as a JMU basketball fan, but I was falling apart, man. When, when Edwards blew the dunk and then they lost the race to 69 because he blew the dunk. I was like, Oh no. I don't know. I just, I I felt oddly confident. And then the way that they won it by forcing the tie up and hitting free throws was just made my middle-aged heart proud. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. yes. Well, and also I, I, I'm really impressed so far. Um, Byington's teams remind me a lot of kind of peak Gary Williams where he really is willing to play 10 guys yeah. on a given night. And it can be painful in certain moments when they're not like, you know, they're just not clicking because that, that lineup hasn't been out there much together, but it does save their legs. Like there are guys ready to go in the coming down the stretch and ready to defend. You know, yeah, um, and it's really impressive. And so far, at least, these guys seem really locked in together. I mean, I listened to an interview with Friedel last week with Rigert, and at least so far, I mean, basketball is always weird because guys all have their own thoughts about you know <laughs> playing time and their futures and stuff. But it really seemed like the players so far are really bought into like we want to win, like we we could be really good if we have 11 guys pulling in the same direction, like not looking out for themselves. And it, it looks that way on the court, you know, which is awesome, you know, and it does seem like maybe the sky's the limit for this team. I mean, with Bickerstaff and Carey, they just have something that most teams who aren't from the ACC or the big 12 don't have, you know, and then they have a lot, they obviously have like Edwards and everybody else around them, but like having legitimate big guys just, ah, it's so much different <laughs> like, than what we've been used to, you know? Um, and so much better. And I mean, Friedel wouldn't like some guys who don't, wouldn't doesn't make me nervous at all anymore. <laughs> like I, I like Wooden's game. You've always liked Wooden. You've yeah. liked this freshman year. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a very Rob game, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, but, um, it's not, yeah, it's great. I just can't wait to keep watching that team. So big congrats to them. Uh, and good to see the women kind of getting it on track too. Um, really good to see. So Rob, as far as app goes, I don't know. You got anywhere you want to go for first down? I mean, we've talked about the crowd. We've talked about some of the off the field stuff. Is there anything in particular you want to talk about on the field? I don't know. Um I mean, the positive, we can start here, right? Uh, positive can we, unreal. Surratt. Yeah, come on. I mean, come on. It's like, that's another one. This is two weeks in a row where I get home, I look at the stats, and I'm like, he had how many yards? Like, that was kind of a, is it possible to have a quiet 100-yard receiving game? But I think he had those huge, spectacular plays down the stretch that were just bonkers. You know, like, I, my brother-in-law was texting me. He's a Virginia Tech alum. He'll watch JMU games. He's certainly not a JMU fan, but he was texting me like, 
oh my gosh, over that catch. Ever, yeah, I got I, my phone was like completely not serving. And then I would like when we walked out of the game, I got like 30 texts of everyone be like, oh my gosh. Jaw dropping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely jaw dropping. Yeah. Um, but perhaps even bigger was the, the fourth down conversion. Oh yeah, the fourth down conversion was to play the. I mean, that was unreal. That to me was so like uh, from a positive perspective, it was just really fun to see him continue to find ways on a night when the offense was not clicking. That is not breaking news. No, <laughs> anybody who watched the game or was there knew like they had a tough time getting going. But to see them all, it's similar to what you're saying with basketball, like the greater good and just keep pushing and all the coaches' cliches and it's not over till it's over. Blah 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 blah. They did that. And they put together like. An absolutely stunning drive down the end. Um, yep. I mean, we say it was stunning. It, it, it was a train wreck until he hit that, right. <laughs> until they converted that fourth down. They were going backwards, but they still, they had a lot of just guts in that one and stick to but just spectacular athleticism by Surratt in those last three plays. And to do them, you know, one, two, three in oh. sequence. Well, and, you know, look, McLeod said it afterwards. He, he didn't have his best game. Like he knows as well as anyone. So we don't, Mm -hmm. we try not to be over overly critical of kids Um, and massive, massive credit to McLeod for the fight, uh, you know, to hang in there and play the second half of that fourth quarter the way he did. But he all, you know, he also missed Surratt twice in overtime, right? Like, yeah, it was tough. I mean, there's a lot of plays that many guys will want back. It just, it's one of those things where it's tough because, you know, it, obviously, to go undefeated, you need to have a lot of things go your way. What we saw Saturday night was Jamie wasn't like severely outplayed. It was pretty even. Very. It just it it came down to. I mean, I thought it was interesting today. Terrible insane, but it's just a game of inches, you know. Yeah. If if they, Meehan gets his hand on that ball, what an inch more. Or, or drags him back. Or you Jake one. Thomas at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or yeah, Meehan, sorry, yeah. if Meehan makes the tackle, you know, if he if Meehan he, makes the tackle. Yeah, one or more just, foot to make the tackle at the five, they're kicking a field goal and we're going to double overtime, right? Or not even, I mean, if, if just, if the ball pops out. Oh, on the Jacob Thomas, yeah, at the end. Jacob like, Thomas, like, once he gets earlier. by me, yeah, yeah. that's yep. the craziest ending ever. Yeah. You know, touchback. Yeah. So. And, you know, look, they had, yeah, they just, it all, a lot of things caught up with them this week. You know, Cam missed a field goal. Reggie dropped a ball, like things we haven't seen all year. And that's not to take anything away from those kids. They've been unbelievable for JMU. No, it just shows you how hard it is to go undefeated. You need to have so many oh, things yeah. go your Even way. Even just little things like the guy behind the stands is screaming at Cheese Surratt on the punt he didn't catch. And then I watched the replay and it's very clear he lost it. Like it came out of the shade and he was standing right on that shade sun line. And he totally lost plecker, it. Yeah, by the plecker end zone. Right. Mm-hmm. And he totally lost it in the sun. And had to let it bounce. And then it goes all the way, you know, instead of catching it at the 23, it's at the two or whatever. And yeah, there's just, it's a really tough night um, in that way. Like you said, I thought it was interesting today, the advanced analytics on the like expected success rate. Jamie was actually better than that. Like app did enough to win when JMU doesn't play its best, you know, like that's not to take anything away from them. But App didn't do anything spectacular other than basically stopping the run against JMU, which is what most teams have done against JMU. Um, JMU's defense was outstanding for three-plus quarters. I know that people get mad. They gave up some third downs. But, you know, 
App's only touchdown in the first three quarters was the one that McLeod fumbled on the 35, you know, like to give them a short field. Um, it was 10-5 at the end of the third. Jamie's defense gave up 61 yards rushing. Like, App couldn't run the ball at all. Yeah, it's just, all it's, it was yeah. an interesting game because one thing that's been kind of nice is yeah. most JMU fans, for once, the, the common discourse seems to be like, App deserved that. And so it's nice that as fans, we're kind of tipping our cap to App. But mm-hmm. I almost wonder if we're being a little too generous. We're like, App did so. do just enough to win, but it's not like they played a great game and JMU played terribly. I think if you're being honest and if you're looking at the film and the coaches are, both teams kind of had like yeah. B minus C yeah. plus football for most of the game. App just made a couple more plays and got a couple more breaks and hats off to them. Like they got it done. I'm not saying it was a cheap victory at all, nope. but it was more a case of two teams not being on their best. And one team just, you know, you got to win. You're not going to tie. There's no ties yep. in college football. No, no. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting if we were to like, just if that one play went differently, what would people be saying? Would it be like, oh, we dominated? I would certainly hope not. I would still no, think no, 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 no. It we- really doesn't change how JMU played. And JMU just didn't play that great. Right. Um, it wasn't a disaster, but it wasn't nope. that great. And App, the same thing. Like you said, 60 yards rushing, um, passing yards about equal. App got gifted a short field touchdown. Mm-hmm. They got gifted an opportunity that they took advantage of. I shouldn't say they got gifted a touchdown. No, no, no. Right. Yeah. They, they got put in the right position. They did it. But like, it wasn't like App was playing great and JMU just fell apart. And I mean, geez, we've seen in this rivalry, we have seen JMU fall apart against App. They've clawed their way out, but they right. go down three plus scores. That wasn't what happened Saturday night. It was just two teams kind of knocking each other around and combo of pretty good defense, but also like both offenses left some points on the on the field oh yeah we get so focused on all the like things at the end of the game you know or the bigger plays quote unquote but yeah app cashed in their opportunity on the fumble and probably the biggest turning point the biggest in in hindsight thing of the game was jmu not doing the same on the one where their tight end fumbled we got the ball early what was this mid third quarter yeah. And JMU drives down a little bit and then they bog down, they get a penalty and they miss the field goal. Right. And like, you know, they score a touchdown there or they, even if they make the field goal there, like the end of the game, you know, the end game situation is completely different. Um, yeah. App cast in their opportunity. JMU didn't, I, I did feel, I'll, yeah. I mean, I was super impressed with Jamie's fight in the fourth quarter, Rob, this team has like forgotten how to lose. Yeah. Like they still as, as rough of a night as they had had, they scored on their, they scored touchdowns on their last two drives, you know, like, and made a two point conversion, you know, or, or no, I mean, I guess not including, I mean, the overtime, they didn't score a touchdown, but you know what I mean? In the fourth quarter, um, super impressed with that. Uh, I did think the injuries finally caught up with JMU a lot. You and I talked about this in the stands. Uh, that's not to say that app and everybody else doesn't have injuries, but the particular injuries this week, first of all, it was actually the one thing app did that was terrible on their part is they tried to play Christian horn, their receiver who has been banged up. And I think he cost them three first, like he had two outright drops. Like he just should not have been on the field. Um, 13, but, um, you know, the Jalen green thing, what really showed up this week. And it didn't show up because like I wasn't, it's not like it's just the sacks, 
Rob. We talked about this a little bit. Like the sacks are nice. It's also like the scheme. It's the pressure. Yeah, it's the pressure. And it's also like there's clearly a little bit of a coaching thing on the back end of the defense that's like, don't give up the big play, but give a little cushion and the D-line will get home. And they sort of haven't adjusted in these last two weeks to the D-line not getting home. Well, if you're not getting home, then you're you're basically conceding seven-yard chunks. Right. And sometimes Whereas, you're conceding like 12-yard chunks. You know, yeah. like, yeah. And Whereas that, if you're hitting the quarterback, you're conceding seven-yard chunks every three, you know, three pass attempts. Right. And you're getting a negative play yeah. every, you know, every fourth play or something. Um, yeah, that was the same. And then the same thing on offense, like the Kidwell and Wyatt injuries. Jamie ran the ball a little bit with some success up the middle, but missing both tackles, like they couldn't get outside the way they had or they couldn't run off tackle really basically anymore. You know, um, it's so some of those tough. app state speed. I thought yeah, that's app, yes, really good. Did a good job. They tackled well this game. I think we've seen Lawton and black, like be able to get outside and just have more speed or break a tackle here and there. And app did a really good job of not, you know, a two yard play instead, you know, instead of a nine yard play. Oh, wait, um, real quickly, when we're speaking yeah. about running backs, how badly did you want Palmer to be the hero there? I was. Oh my to... god, when he made the first down on that third and two, yes, and powered over that guy, we were just like everyone, you know, cause we're all hugging and like yes, and then the very next play they gave it to him, I know, and it wasn't his fault at all. Like, you know, the line yeah, got just, blown the up, the play just got blown up. But like, yeah, I really. Oh god! If he had game, scored that touchdown, but if he had like, scored that, oh my gosh! The the if Bridgeport had the roof, it would have come off at least our section. Yeah, I think for those of us that have been there for a long time, yeah, and that's a good that's a good um segue to kind of my like third fourth down thing, Rob. You know, the best player on the field on offense this week was Elijah Surratt, right? I mean, there's really no doubt no about debate. it. Yeah, and the two best players on the field on defense this week were undeniably Aiden Fisher and D'Angelo Pons. Yeah. And that's like, they just were great. They had great games, right? Um, Fisher's an unbelievable player. You know, Pons did give up a little bit here and there, but he also made some crucial tackles. And then obviously like the enormous interception at the end of regulation when App was darn close to getting up, you know, into field goal range. Yeah. Um, Well, he picked that off in field goal range. Like if that had been. For sure. Um, But this is, that was one thing I was reminded of just watching this game. And and it's a little bit, this is a little bit of a, this is a little bit of a shot at app, but this is the, this is the end of the FCS era for JMU. Mm -hmm. And last year when JMU went down and, and came back against app, I remember thinking like, wow, that was an upset. You know, like we really pulled that out. We're going to be able to compete. And this year, like the heartbreak, the disappointment that I'm facing now it doesn't feel quite as um, I don't know what to say. It's just we are at the end. We were you know these seniors, those seniors that we honored this this weekend deserve an enormous amount of credit for what they've done for the JMU program, for guiding us through you know in this transition, being a big part of the last run in FCS. Some of them, I mean, many of them survived the friggin' COVID spring. They played a billion games in one calendar year yep. in 2021, right? Um, Latrell Palmer, Francis Meehan, like so many of these guys, like, has been such a big part of this team. 
but we're also, they're also leaving it. They're leaving the program in way better hands and they're turning it over to a whole different level of recruiting. And the one thing I realized in, in where I'm saying this is a little bit of a shot at app app didn't have a lot of dudes like Noel didn't scare JMU, you know, like Aguilar was great. The quarterback played really well, thought he was really sharp, you know, made the most of everything that was given to him for the most part on the game. But man, Jamie's a problem for like app recruiting, ECU recruiting, like, you know, like we're in good shape, I think. You know, I don't know if you saw over the weekend, Jamie flipped a safety commit from West Virginia to JMU. I did. I saw that. Yeah. Like this is like a different world we're entering into. And like, I know we've got some things to sort out, man, you know, not, we're not, Rob and I are not the promoters of the Montpelier collective here, but if we find a way to hang on to guys like Surratt and Pons and Fisher, and Fisher yeah. we're going to be really damn good. You know, Kamara, like this team's going to be really, really, really good. Um, for a long well, it's also, time. It's hard, it's hard to talk about this in a way that doesn't seem like we're knocking these guys. But the reality is. is a lot of these guys were FCS recruits. Now, that could be because they were just overlooked. And I think in a lot of cases, they were. they're, they're, they're proving like right now. like than I could ever dream of being, right? Yeah. Tyson you know, Lawton should have been on an FBS team for the last five years, much less correct. this year. You know, yeah. like. So yeah. these guys are like, it's also a little bit of maybe they played themselves into the point where they're hell like, yeah. Me has been one of our best players this year. Like, yeah, exactly. Know, like, yeah, so and last so year for that matter. Like, so by saying like, Oh, these guys are FCS. No, I don't mean they're playing at all. It's not a knock. We intend this to be a compliment to them, to the coaches, to everybody involved. Like I'll buy yeah. these guys a beer every time I see them forever. in Harrisburg. Yeah. Like, yes. But at the yeah. same time, there's no denying that JMU is now, you know, operating in different sphere they're going to have access to different recruits to different levels of recruits guys that like mm-hmm. wouldn't have talked to so no longer will they need to go find people who are fbs players right. but are only being recruited in fcs level they can just go right to those three stars and for whatever stars aren't the most important thing but like it is pretty exciting to think about what they can do with kind of you know a, a, a level playing field a level playing field competitors yeah. right yeah that's all it's still going to be a lot of looking for diamonds in the roughs. Let, let's not for sure. And picking over FCS rosters for the Tyson Lawtons and Terrence Green juniors, yeah. you know, who have, who have been screwed, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah. And I, and actually even ahead of the collective stuff, the NIL retention stuff, I think the most important thing for JMU, the most important thing I saw last week is that JMU's salary pool for the coaches is 13th out of 14 in the Sun Belt. And they got to solve that. Like Signetti is one thing. Like the head coach is obviously a major important factor. Um, but they need to keep the other guys too. And Signetti's had an unbelievable track record for somehow he's kept them together. Um, I think the team, and I, that's my thing, Rob, is I just, the Q Reed, Francis Meehan, Latrell Palmer, Julio IML, who's hanging in there on the sidelines. Like these guys deserve, I cannot even thank them. I'll never be able to thank them enough for the unbelievable ride we have had the last three years under kind of ridiculous, the most ridiculous circumstances ever, Yeah, you know, to think like they played a spring season in 2020 or 2021. They played a fall season in 2021 where they were 
getting kicked out of the conference and everyone hated them and they still took us to the semis, you know, and gave us that Devin Ravenel, you know, game against Montana um, in the playoffs. And then they take us to a 5-0 and start last year with a ranking and an 8-3 finish with winning the East. And then this year to go, now they're sitting at 10-1 and going to Coastal, I, I, you know, and yelling and screaming. And they've, who knows, last year they had like really nothing to play for. And this year they've had like things to play for, but also all this craziness off the field about what are but they also playing nothing for? to play for. Yeah. Right. I mean, like just, I just cannot, I'll never be able to thank this group enough um, for what they've done. It's it's just, it's been <laughs> it's it, it beyond our wildest dreams that we're even sitting here talking about this, you know, and for everybody who's like disappointed over the weekend, I just, I couldn't help thinking like, man, if we'd lost the UVA game, none of this would have, you know, none of this would have happened or mattered or anything else. You know, we wouldn't have the Jonas brother tending bar at Billy Jack's on Friday night, you know, um, after our basketball win for the ranked basketball team, <laughs> you know, like it just felt like unbelievable. So well, that's, that's some pretty good PR from his people trying to combat the, um, not his people, their people, oh, their people. When you've got whatever, like oh, you've got Sophie and Taylor on the other Sophie side, Sophie right? and the Taylor and the girl squad. You got to be like, oh no, we're every man. Like so, that was very good content from the publicists. Yes, awesome. yes. Sorry to but, burst your bubble, people. That was not them just wanting to go to Billy Jacks. No, when I say at the end of an era, I mean to like celebrate the end of an era, both like oh, to yeah. celebrate looking backwards and to celebrate looking forwards, because I think they're both wonderful. And I'm with you. You know, beat North Carolina next year. How many Dukes can we get to go to Chapel Hill? Week three next year, people. Week three. Third week of September. How many people can go to that game? You know, can we bring 10 grand? Can we bring 10,000 to Chapel Hill next year? Maybe. Like, let's try, you know? Because that would give us a huge leg up on the group of five um, early in the season next year. You know, before we even enter Sunbelt play. So, in any case. Who and, knows? Then we, and then you can watch Drake May quarterback the Giants on Sunday. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, yes, make it a weekend. Wonderful. Yes. Um, but with that, we turn the attention to this week. JMU is playing at Coastal Carolina, um, which is in Conway, South Carolina, which is kind of know, Myrtle Beach. It's Myrtle Beach. Um, it's actually not a bad place to go for this weekend, even though I'd like to make jokes about armpits and stuff like that. You know, could be fun this weekend. Uh Jealous of the people getting to make this trip a little bit. I don't think it's going to happen for me. <laughs> um, partially because I'm hoping to hold out for a bowl, uh, like a lot of people, I'm sure. Uh, this weekend's going to be tough. I, I don't, it's so weird. I, I did see, you know, I kind of laughed on Saturday when I saw that Coastal had lost to Army, which is not a particularly great Army team. And then I did hear their coach. Uh, Coastal's coach back talk about how Army had not run. You know, Army has been moving away from the true triple option this year, Rob. Yeah. They barely run it. Or they've run a lot of like the kind of William & Mary like shotgun option kind of stuff. Um, and then this week they went back to the old school, like full on 90 plays triple option that Coastal said they had completely not prepared for and were not ready for and got their ass kicked by. Um so I don't know. I, I think to some extent we have to kind of throw that game out. It also made me laugh thinking about is Army just suddenly prepping for the Navy game now <laughs> by switching yeah. back to the 
triple option. Um, you know, Coastal's weird. They're, they have a weird they have a weird record. They started zero and two. They've won every Sun Belt game since. Um, Coastal wins. Well, putting aside all the all the other stuff for JMU, Coastal likely wins the East if they, you know, if they win this game. I think they have a leg up on App. Um, the only way App can win is if Coastal loses to JMU. Uh, so it's just a weird and game. App wins, right? What's that? And App wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. But I, but um, yeah. So I mean, it's last year was a little weird because like Coastal didn't actually have anything to play for against JMU. Like, a their coach was leaving, and we all know. Like, I I don't want to feel bad for them, but like when we all remember what happened to us in the playoffs when Houston was leaving, like I also know what that does to a program. Um, so the way they showed up in Harrisonburg with Chadwell going to Liberty was not their best. Um, and they also didn't need to beat JMU. Like last year, there was no doubt that they were going to the conference championship win or lose against JMU. Now, 44 to seven speaks for itself and we'll see what happens this weekend. They are not going to have Grayson McCall. At least the coach said it was highly doubtful today, or yes, yeah, today on the Sun Belt press conference. Yeah, what are they saying? Like maybe night, maybe we won't even return to practice until next week. Yeah, um, and I don't even know. Like, why would he? Re- like, is he going to play in the Sun Belt championship? I, it's a hard thing because I don't know. McCall is obviously not like a, you know, he's not a high end NFL prospect. He wasn't even in his even on his best day. You know, he was a very college quarterback. And that's not meant – I actually do not mean to throw shade in that way. Um, he was an excellent college quarterback. But it doesn't seem like he's coming back. So, Jamie's going to play one of these two backups this week. Uh, Coastal is on Thanksgiving break. This is actually Thanksgiving weekend. There is not college game day. They're not going to have – they're just not going to have a student section. Like, there's going to be a lot of JMU people there. Like, this is not going to be a massive home field advantage for them. Um at the same time, Rob, you and I walked out of the stadium on Saturday past, you know, many of the JMU players and I don't, I don't blame them, but like, just like us, just like the fans, they were, you know, they're pretty crushed by what happened on Saturday, the way it ended on Saturday. And, you know, you saw some of the seniors write on Twitter and stuff after the game or on Sunday about how, you know, like their big thank yous for their time at Bridgeforth kind of thing. And you hope like, I just feel like this weekend is such a question of like, which team can get their, can find their motivation um, for this game. Uh, Even if I think JMU is the like considerably better team um, X's and O's wise. And I do think JMU, I mean, I, I don't know, listening to Signetti and some of the players, like I, I do think they have plenty to play for. I don't know what you think, Rob, like regardless of dumb stuff off the field. Right. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. There's, I mean, ten and one, twelve and zero was, was the dream scenario. Right. But there's a huge difference to me. It's more than just one game. Ten and two, and eleven and one, where you are, you outright win the East. Yes. Like these app lunatics can be as delusional as they want to be about. You get an asterisk, like you lost to friggin' Old Dominion, right, or whoever they lost to, right? Like they lost, you know. And, um, I don't even, I don't even remember who they lost to, but like if one team is seven and one in the East 
and the other team is six and two, the seven and one team wins. Like, you know, it, you can go play Troy all you want and get your head kicked in, but like, that's what happens, you know. And I'm, I'm totally with you. Whereas if all three teams finish at six and two in the East and Coastal goes to, to the championship game, that's a lot less satisfying from a JMU standpoint, right? Well, it's satisfying. And also just, you know, ending the season on a two game losing streak is not just, it's not the same as going out and beating them the second year in a row, taking care of business and doing the Kings of the East bit again. That's great. No, it's, it's a ton to play for. Um, the same resiliency we saw them in the second half of the fourth quarter. If we could see that a week after of like, hey, yep. when really the shine is off a little bit, the spotlight is gone somewhat. Game day isn't here, but can they just go out and win a football game? Like, I, to me, there's a there's a ton to play for. Me too. And even last season, right? They went five and zero. They got ranked, and then they went on their skid, and Sateo got hurt, and they managed to turn that around and win the last three. And that meant a hell of a lot to a lot of people, you know. And I'm hoping they can turn that around this week too. I also think there's a big difference. I mean, lawsuits notwithstanding. I think there's a big difference in their bowl opportunities at 11 and one versus 10 and two. Don't you? Yes. Like, yeah. Like that. 11 wins is rare. Is a real deal, right. And yeah. 11 and one JMU. I mean, Liberty's going to get left out. Like they're, <laughs> they're going to get left out. Like the winner of Tulane versus either SMU or Memphis in the AAC championship is going to go like the college football playoff is going to make sure that Liberty gets left out. So, whether we like it or not, whether we want to be in it or not, there's a possibility of like a real, you know, a bowl game that means something out there setting up or something. Um, and whether, and I don't care if it's Liberty or Toledo, who would also be like 12 and one, you know, like a 11 and one JMU versus a 12 and one Toledo. If they win the Mac, those are fun opportunities. And they, and they, and those are opportunities that they might not sound like playing. Would you rather play like, I don't know, like who's Kentucky, right? You know, some team that's like border. Yes, maybe from in the short term, I'd rather. But in terms of what it means to next year, to the preseason, to what it says about the conferences, it's those are big deals too. You know, if Jamie, Jamie plays Toledo in somewhere, like that's a big deal too, to what it means to the future. So I just would encourage our fans not to sleep on any opportunity that presents itself in the postseason, uh, there's a lot of outlets out there. We can't tell them. <laughs> I don't. I don't know them at the moment. But there's a whole lot of like Twitter accounts, message boards, people, writers writing about this all week. This week, this is Thanksgiving week. It's a ton of college football. It's a really fun week in college sports in general. In sports generally, I guess in the U.S. Um, every night this week, starting tonight, by the time most people listen, so starting Tuesday night, there is a game that matters to JMU's chance of making a bowl. Um, I think JMU is rooting for like one win Buffalo team tonight <laughs> on Tuesday, but every night there's a game that matters. Um, you know, that one's not likely, but it's still looking very good that there will be a slot for the Dukes and it's worth paying attention to. I mean, Thanksgiving, there are a couple games, the egg bowl matters. We don't want Mississippi state sniffing anything. Like there's a bunch of random games. So, um, you know, worth paying attention to all the way around. Uh, it may come down to Army Navy, for that matter. Uh, we're probably we're, we're rooting against the troops this week. Um, whoever I think I think Army's done except for the Army Navy game, but Navy has one more. So 
We'll see. A uh, ton to play for, Rob. Um, I'm interested also to see if they do anything differently defensively this week. Like, do they press cover? You know, Aguilar was really is is a good quarterback. Like, App's quarterback was very good. Coastal is going with one of their two backups. Like, you know, do we rush more, send more guys, and leave our corners and tell them, you know, go for it kind of thing. Um, so that'll be fun to watch. Other than that, I don't have anything else, Rob. The Pat McAfee show was awesome on Friday, too. That was fun. Impressed by the students for that. It was really cool. It was fun to have a lot of people yell and scream um, on the Duke's behalf, even if it didn't really matter and, and, you know, ultimately didn't have the result we wanted. Um, I haven't seen anything. I, I I don't have anything to say about the attorney general or off the field stuff, Rob, do you? No. I, no, I, I, mean, I just whatever happens happens um I'm, I'm it's beyond a, my expertise and to me the focus is kind of on coastal can we get to 11 and 1 if can we get to a bowl game you just laid out the case for why bowl games um actually do matter you know they're dumb exhibitions but in terms of how it sets JMU and the Sun Belt up for next year. Yeah, the, in, the, in this case, it actually does matter. So, And it's also just an opportunity to go have some fun with some yeah. other fans. And so. for the kids to practice. Yeah. You know, some of the younger guys to practice. Maybe for, a, you know, Alonzo Barnett or a Billy Atkins to play, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, it, where that might really matter at some point down the road, um, even if they only play a little bit. Um and to make it a little more, di- I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it would be a really, it would be the first bowl game in JMU history. Like, let's not lose sight of that. Like, That's pretty neat. We talked to some friends this weekend about that. Like, everyone's like, yeah, you know, sure, I'd rather go to the Fiesta Bowl. But like, I'm not going to miss, you know, a lot of people want to want to watch the first bowl game in JMU history. Like, regardless of where it is or what, what it is. Um, That's going to be a marker. So... That's really cool. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have anything else. Com- complete really... old man take. Yeah. I think there's something maybe more appealing about not going to the Fiesta Bowl for the first time. And yeah. I, know, I know that sounds crazy. Like, obviously, <laughs> no, no, <you're> right. <laughs> that's the greatest. But, like, if you want to go have, like, a Frisco-like experience, which is something I would like to do, yeah, maybe going to a lower-tier bowl when you can conceivably have tickets <laughs> be in the price range that is affordable for the right. general JMU fan and they are not all designated for sponsors. And so I don't know what it is, but I got to imagine the Fiesta Bowl, it ain't actually that achievable of a ticket, right? Like, yeah, no, I know. I mean, the ticket might be, it's probably doable just because I don't know, like, there's, I don't know how, I, yeah, but the whole trip, the whole thing becomes a whole different thing. It, it can get away from you pretty quickly. Yeah. Whereas if we're going to Birmingham or Orlando on the second week in December, Whatever, middle of or December, or Annapolis or something like that, like, yeah, clearly, we can do yes. That. I like, get it. People that are going to scream, oh, Rob's, you know, doesn't want to go for it. Like, no, no, you're no. Right. If we could win a national championship, yes, sign me up. That's great. Yeah. But realistically speaking, if you want to think about like, can I go someplace with thousands of JMU fans where we're not going to be drowned out? Maybe yeah. get our training wheels this time. <laughs> also, can I go someplace where like I can maybe do this with a like one night stay? Yes. And like have a good time with fans and go to the game, but not sort of mortgage my christmas season on you know which which i would 100 percent like be willing to do to go to watch jmu play at alabama in the playoff next year (laughs) but like that's a whole different yeah you're right it's a different thing 
That's um, a totally different thing. And we'll yeah. get there when we get there. I hope to one day be like fighting over how are we going to get tickets to whatever New Orleans or wherever we're going. But you know, ain't, ain't nothing wrong with taking a Wednesday night trip to Charlotte or Mobile or something like that. Yeah. Um, last couple shout outs here. Well, I mean, the one serious thing, I, Rob and I, we're not talking about the off field stuff, but I will say like the really cynical part of me is like, wow, the AG just wanted the pop of the crowd on Saturday. Like you when think? they introduced them, right. Yeah. By talking all this game. And it's, he sounds like a lot of, a lot of politicians who are much further up the scale than him by just like promising to do something in two weeks and then not doing it. Right. No, it- um, I think that might have been the move if we're getting into it. The move might have been, I'm going to make a big deal. I'm going to get a bunch of attention and hope that the NCAA just caves. Maybe I'm wrong. Yep. Uh, yep. But that's how it always came across to me. Well, the weirdest thing to me is I would actually be just as happy if he went ahead and did this, even if it didn't affect the season. Like, Do it because you think it's right. Do it right. because it's actually the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. The right thing to do is because... Cities like Harrisonburg shouldn't be getting screwed out of opportunities to host their championship game and what that means in the first weekend of December to hotels and restaurants and your your actual constituents, right? Like in the future, you know, and that if could be, gonna, if that doesn't have to be JMU, that could be freaking UVA wise, right? Like if I, you really, if you really think this is a gross injustice against the state right, and the do it for Christopher Newport. Like, yes, you, you know, should be pursuing I, this regardless of what happens on Saturday. Right. That's saying, sort of right, is right. And we're going to do this because we really believe that the NCAA, if you're going to throw out things like illegal or, or say like you're violating right. the law and you've got bylaws and you got rules, but they are illegal. So by definition, they're not enforceable. You better follow through. In my yeah, opinion. that's a, and, and that's and like, not even about JMU. If you're no. just going to bark and scream and yell and try to win points in PR, okay, great. But I think most reasonable people will see through that, and we're going to see which one it was over the next five or six days. Yeah, if Bridgewater wants to move up to one double A, they shouldn't have to face this rule either. You know, like I, I don't know. I just yeah. I mean, I'd like to see that there's more to it than just the Fiesta Bowl, right? There's, you know, just because you were like winning and now you lost a game, like it shouldn't, you know, I'd like to see it be more than that. And I would like to see us as fans continue to advocate going forward for this rule to change, even though it may not help us, you know, because it's still crap. (laughs) Like, so anyways, that's all. And then the other things, Rob, I know both of us had a lot of amazing conversations. We got a bunch of really nice messages this week. Um, I just wanted to say thanks to, um, guy I met over the weekend in the tailgate, Matt, who stopped me to mention he'd seen us on sound off last week. And, and he really appreciated that we brought up, uh, Madison's dad, like, you know, he had known her and, and, and then just, that was kind of cool. Like, just to think like, he's like, that's what this is all about. Like, I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, Professor Simmons stopped by the tailgate this week. That was pretty great. Hadn't seen her in a while. Um, it's great to see her. And what a weekend from Dr. Tim Miller, our you know vice chancellor for student affairs or whatever his particular title is. Um, I know he had a lot going on this weekend. Um, one of the Rob, did you talk to our friend's daughter who's on the EMS squad? 
No. I, she I worked the do. 7 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift on Friday into Saturday morning. Oh, God and, uh, bless. She ended up being on – she ended up not getting off the shift until like 7.30 because they had to go to the quad to get – she's like a senior in high school and she's already doing this. And she they had to go to the quad to like, you know, stretch her out some kid at like 6.45, like the last five minutes of her shift or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, but just – Impressive job from the student affairs staff overall at JMU this weekend. Because um, I actually thought the students were pretty, like, they're pretty good, all things considered, right? They were incredible on Friday and Saturday morning. I mean, Friday afternoon and then Saturday morning. And then they were still incredible Saturday night. So, yeah, that, just that was great. bravo to everybody involved. Um, and big thanks to everybody who reached out to us with nice messages. Uh, it was today. really nice, Todd. I don't know if you yeah. had the experience, but I had so many nice kind of strangers come up to me and thank thank us for doing the pod and say how much and they enjoy it and i had so many fraternity brothers who came up and were like hey did i hear you and todd like do some sort of show (laughs) so (laughs) glad to be a brother guys guys. you really paid attention for the last 10 years yeah thanks exactly like yeah that is true that is a rumor no Um, i saw jerry and all those guys on the way out of the stadium it was nice to see them actually oh no it was great like almost in tears yeah but um, it was just cool. Like uh, John Butler, you know, long time. Listen, I yep. we've interacted with him on Twitter and kind of had interactions. But I got to meet him and his daughter on the quad, and it it means a lot when people like John tap you on the shoulder and say, "Hey, you know, I, I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much." Like it's we we do this because it's a fun thing for me and you, and mm-hmm. the two of us really enjoy it. And it's like a good time to once a week. I know I got to talk football with one of my best friends, and that's valuable but it's yeah. really cool when people tap you on their shoulder and say hey i really like it so um hats off guys that was really appreciate it very much yeah all right rob five quick questions going around right. the horn for ot let's do it sunbelt syndicate can't figure out what this is an app state guy very happy to kind of rub it in for us um but a very mellow like doing a nice little job do the Dukes rebound in Conway and win in convincing fashion, or do you think the game is close? It does crack me up that every App State fan in the world who like has been more than happy to rub our noses in it, and they look the team. It's not it. like please win, please win, please. It's not win. like please, 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 please win. Yeah, like, oh, you guys are so good, you can do this. Right, you should do it. Of course, they're going to win. We're going to the championship, even when we won't have an asterisk, but we need you to win so that we can do that. Right? Yeah. But what do you? Th- um, yeah, I don't know. It's Monday night. I just think Jamie's a better team. Particularly without McCall. Without McCall, right. I mean, and Coastal can't stop. They really can't stop anybody. So, like, I I don't, I don't know. And I think Coastal Coastal has asterisk fatigue. They do. They had asterisk last year. They're going to get their ass kicked again this week is what I think. They have no crowd. They have that crappy teal field. It's a turd bucket school. Like, no. Yeah, They're, Duke's by ninety. It's Duke's by ninety. Close, That's yeah. what we said last week, and we lost. So, like, yeah, but we're right but this week. We're I right do think. Week. Yeah, I, I think, I think the. Here's what I think. I think the kids who are twenty, you know, twenty to twenty three years old that play for JMU, are way more resilient than we are as fans at, in our mid forties, right, or late forties. Right? Yeah. They, they they're going to shake off this week and get back to work. They're not going home for turkey. They're going to Myrtle Beach to kick somebody's ass. That's what I think. Um, 
I don't know, black jerseys, everybody's worried. This was Davey Ahern, who's been an awesome course, you know, corresponding with us the last few weeks. Yes, Davey, you should fly from San Francisco to LA yes, to watch you men's soccer. Rob, how awesome was that this weekend, too? How many people wrote us or tagged us in things where they're like, after the game, like after, like on Sunday, where people were like, holy crap, I'm watching a volleyball game or I'm watching a soccer game, you know, like even today, like our, Twitter interactions were still like, I guess everybody's just still on the fumes of the high of last week, but I couldn't believe like, like we said, this is a building block for the future of the program, you know, of the whole thing. People are like, this is really fun. Yeah. And one of the things that makes me the most proud is we're not here for football. We're here for Dukes, you know, everything's cool. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was kind of a fun thing last week, but it's also true. Right. I mean, softball run was the most Honestly, the most purely fun thing I've ever had as a JMU fan. Um, and that doesn't mean it was the highest high, right? But like, yeah, just incredible. Um, so he was like wondering, do we think the vibe of the black jerseys is bad? Um, no, I don't know. What do you think, Rob? I don't think. My thing is it's for the kids, right? <laughs> yeah. I prefer the look purple weird. and white. I yeah. think the purple white looks better without yeah, it. Yeah, white purple white looks incredible. Yeah. It looks great. Yep. If it's like our senior day tradition, so be it. Something different. I, I think I think it's nice to have one game to point to every year that's different. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with him on the sense that I, I just much prefer the purple and white. Okay. Best Thanksgiving dinner or slash day drinks. Thanksgiving dinner drinks or Thanksgiving day drinks, I guess is the way we would read that. Oh, geez. Um, um, I don't know. Well, you got to go Bloody Marys, right? Yeah, I guess. It's it's so weird with me because I've gotten to a point where we often are traveling after the main meal. And so I usually have like a glass of wine. And that might be like, uh, and then at the end of the night, you know, once we get where we're going, I might have a bourbon or something. But yeah, I have a whiskey. It's sort of become a weird thing for me. I'm, I'm not actually a good... I think you're probably right. A Bloody Mary is pretty great. I think Friday morning's the Bloody Mary time if you're off work, right? For football. Yeah, this yeah. is one of those weird things. Like I'm normally, we usually stay local. I just drive my parents, which is whatever, uh-huh. half an hour, 40 minutes away. But it's the same thing. I might have a glass of wine and then usually like sparkling cider or something like that. Yeah. We're now, we're going to Lake Anna. Oh, okay. Weekend. Oh, cool. My parents rent a house and we're going with Megan and Katie and their families and everything. Oh, awesome. So I know. My sisters and I are all big Bloody Mary fans, so we were bringing those for the post-family turkey trot, which my nine-year-old niece nice. organized. Our, I'm walking my turkey trot because I was instructed that by the orthopedist today. So, yes. Well, I'm walking mine because I'm not sure my ego can take my nephew <laughs> Ben doubling me up. He, he will do it. I'm not, not really ever confused for a great runner, but... He's um, he's a pretty talented guy, and I think he was coming in in his first year of high school cross country. His 5K time is like 17, 18 minutes, so I'm not going to go up against that. So I'll be walking with my parents. <laughs> wow. Nice. Um, yeah. No, he's he's legit, dude. He's very That's good. That's awesome. Um, yeah, but then afterwards, my sisters and I are definitely going to have Bloody Marys, and I know Jessica is getting stuff from mimosas. I, I'm going to go. I'll be boring here. I, I'm a big fan of sparkling cider. That's what I drink growing up. It's still what I have every year at the Thanksgiving meal. It's somewhat nostalgic, but I think ah. that's good. The Martinelli's. Yeah. Um, you can't so, go wrong there. And then with you, 
what like what you said, the end of the night, having a nice bourbon when you watch the tail end of a terrible football game on Thursday right. night. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh god, the commanders are on this week, but thankfully we're gonna be on the road, I think, during that game. Yeah. So didn't we yeah. have one about Thanksgiving sides? Did, did I see one? We did. Up? Um yeah, we have a couple we have another where is the yeah, we had a Mount Rushmore of Thanksgiving sides. Um this is from SB underscore champions Montague. What's your Mount Rushmore of Thanksgiving sides? He'd go with, he or she would go with mashed potatoes, stuffing, cranberry sauce, and candied yams with marshmallows. Hmm. Those are good choices. I would swap out cranberry sauce for green mm-hmm. bean casserole. And I think I would swap out stuffing for corn pudding. Oh. But then I, I love the mashed take. potatoes and I love the candied yams slash sweet potatoes with marshmallows. So yeah. those are mine. What about you? Stuffing is the top for me because I just, we've talked about this. We don't have it any other time of the year. Like you would never have it otherwise. Like I love mashed potatoes, but I do have mashed potatoes, you know, I don't know, 10 times a year. Right? Like yeah. I, um, Stuffing's top. I hate cranberry sauce. Um. I don't care for the candy games with marshmallows, but I do like any kind of like sweet potatoes. And I do love like, we usually do some kind of like roasted vegetable, like that we wouldn't like there's parsnips. In, there's like things in there that I wouldn't otherwise have like in the random year. root vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. And so Turnips I like that kind of thing, but stuffing is stuffing's the main thing. I mean, as far as sides, I'm for me, uh, Thanksgiving's all dessert because I don't really care about anything else <laughs> other than the stuffing. Um, and I'll no, own up no. to the fact that if you ask me what I just said for my Mount Rushmore, yep. I couldn't tell you. I will change my answer every 13 minutes. So, What's the best or worst Thanksgiving Day parade, float, or balloon, Rob? Okay, so this is like our Macy's. This is our guy. Um, big thanks to at uh, Cincy underscore Heighthouse for the message this week. Um, that was awesome. But best yeah. or worst Thanksgiving Day parade, float, or balloon? I guess this is the Macy's parade, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, know why, because it's not like it a giant. So I was gonna say Woody Woodpecker, and I have yeah, no idea both what, of those. <laughs> like I just feel like that's kind of classic, and I don't even know if that's on anymore, or mm-hmm. if my boys would even know who Woody Woodpecker is. But to <laughs> me, that's kind of the, one of those ones that like it goes through every year. I see it, I count on it, I recognize it. I'm probably aging out of the. It'll probably <laughs> like I don't know who any of the little anime ones are or the new cartoons. Um, yeah. So that one to me is just kind of classic. Yeah. And then obviously Santa. Santa's the best. Santa's right? the best Santa of all, cake. right? Because that takes the cake. But yeah, for some reason, I don't know if I think of, I'm like, probably some of these were like in a movie where they floated away or something. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. Um, those were all really fun. Uh, we didn't mean to be too hard on Sunbelt Syndicate there. Um, he's doing a good job. No, he's doing a great Especially job. Especially he's doing a really good job in baseball season when we get back to baseball and softball season of kind of covering the conference on a day-to-day basis. Um so that's pretty cool. So uh, I think that's all the big ones tonight, Rob. And then we'll, I don't know. Someday the Sunbelt refs will explain how you complete a pass to the 11. And, and mark it on you the decline 22. the penalty and you end up at the 22. Yeah. yeah. Um, there were lots of calls to, I mean, the Surratt third and 18 interference before the Surratt fourth and 18. I, I was glad to see. Actually, and Credit to Jamie's broadcast. I thought did think the broadcast was better this week, Rob. Um, you know, it's not this. It, it can't be the same as like the ESPN or ESPN two coverage. 
But it was really great having Kurt and Brian Barlow do two weeks in a row. Like you could tell they were more comfortable together. Yeah, you can see they get their reps. Yeah. yeah. And and I just thought they were sharp they were sharper and, and uh, better together. And they did find a way. I don't know how they did it exactly. It, you know, it didn't sound like the Iron Bowl, but the crowd on those last and that last drive and the last touchdown to tie it up and everything, like we got a sense of what the atmosphere was in Bridgeworth, which was um, that the thing that I'm going to remember the most of all from this weekend. So, yeah, glad I got to watch it with you, Rob. <laughs> yeah, man, that was a good time. It, yeah, I mean, it really the was. Sucked, but yeah. what a great day. What a great day. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. We'll be back next week to what are we? I, we've never done this before, I guess, Rob, right? Kings of the East part two. Hopefully. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously be back to talk about the coastal game and we'll wrap up. Um, hopefully we'll be talking about an elite eight matchup. Oh, by the way, West Virginia hosts Vermont in their, in the other half of Jamie's sweet 16 bracket. If Vermont upsets West Virginia and JMU wins, JMU is a hundred percent like hosting the Elite Eight game on the Saturday of the Sun Belt Championship football game. I'm not suggesting that there's a double header in Harrisonburg. I'm just saying that day, December second, um there is absolutely zero chance that the NCAA is sending a game on December the 2nd to the University of Vermont for an outdoor soccer game. Yeah. Um, and Vermont has scored, they score a lot. They score a lot of goals. They, they scored three in each game um, to get here, including uh, upsetting whatever seeded team they did to get where they are now. Um, so like, do not sleep on the possibility of a home Elite Eight game for JMU men's soccer on Saturday, December the 2nd or Sunday, December the 3rd. Just store that away for yourself. And the worst case scenario is JMU goes to Morgantown, a place they've already tied 2-2 in the regular season this year. So, I don't know. We'll be back to talk. What I was going to say, Rob, is we don't. I don't know when bowls get announced. Like, when do they set the bowl field? Uh I don't um, know the answer to that. I, I think it's and then like JMU games. Yeah, that yeah, you're right. It's probably the net. Yeah, you're right. So we got we'll have time. So next week, all we have to do is break down the coastal game and talk about JMU basketball being in the top twenty and JMU soccer advancing to host the Elite Eight game. Right? Yeah. So, just a simple little week. Just normal stuff. Normal stuff, right? Yeah, totally normal stuff. So should be fun, and I can't wait to talk to you again next week, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, shout out to Aiden Fisher. Ran into him after the game. He was oh, kind man. enough, despite the disappointing ending, to uh, take a great picture with my kid, and it just it meant a lot to me. And thought it was really cool. And as you know, I'm a huge fan of his. So yeah. to have him take time to spend time with my 13 year old kid and just take a good picture meant a lot. So yeah, that was. That was really cool when you put when you sent me the photo. I was like, man, that's it. Just to see uh, for as tough as that was for the guys on the team, um, for them to even take the time was awesome. Oh, it was so, great. I mean, it's yeah. just, it, it's something like that. Like, I'm sure it's disappointing for them, obviously, in the loss, but in some way, shape, or form, they also got to be like, 
wow, this is pretty cool. Like kids are lining up to take my picture. And even after a loss, like, and they deserve yeah. that. They deserve those flowers. 100%. You know? like they, they, they had a great season and um, hopefully we'll have a couple more great seasons with Aiden in the Berg. And um, I don't know. So just thank you very much. If anybody knows him, let him know it was much appreciated. Yeah. All right. Um, Rob, I will talk to you next week. It'll be, we'll, we'll be on digging Duke's online giving day basically next week. Yeah. By the time right, we record. Cool. So, um, but we will certainly know whether JMU has finished first place in the East uh, by this time next week. They're unofficial so. champs once again. So, all right, man. Damn right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Go, Dukes. At the only joint in town, she had a reputation. As a girl who been around down Main Street after midnight Brand new pack of cigs A fresh one hanging from her lips A beer between her legs She'd ride down to the river And meet with all her friends The road goes on forever And the party never ends Sonny was a loner Older than the rest He was going Yeah.